what a privilege it is for me to be here this morning, together with my wife, as Etienne has already mentioned, Lindry. Uh, we've been married for uh, more than a decade. Uh, I think after a decade, you don't count it anymore, then it's just a celebration. Um, and it's a privilege for us to be here this morning. Uh, also, our children is joining us, and I joked about it earlier today, uh, but they were more excited coming to your church today than they've been coming to our church for the last couple of weeks. They have some friends with them um, in school that's part of your congregation. So this is probably the first morning where they've been on time for church. So Nathan, Lika, Matthew is there joining your kids' ministry this morning, and they're excited to be here. And, um, it's really a blessing for us to be here. It's a privilege to be here. And I trust that us being here is also a blessing onto you as a church. Uh, I want to thank Donnie in his absence and Etienne and the rest of the eldership. Um, not only did your words bless me this morning, Etienne, but I can testify that this church has got leaders of integrity. And because there's leaders of integrity, I'm privileged enough to know some of your elders well. It flows into the integrity of this church. And there's a good report about this church. And do not underestimate the value and importance of God has placed on you as a congregation. You're an absolute blessing to our citywide church. You are the flagship church. You are the church that lives the mandate that God has placed on us. Are you a blessing for us as a citywide city? May you stay faithful to what God. Should I use the handout? Was it fine? Okay. Just want to make sure that this one is off. Otherwise, we're going to have some eardrums ringing later on. Okay, great. So with that in mind, once again, thank you. I want to honor your leadership. It's a great privilege for us to be here. Uh, can we close our eyes? So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for what you've already done through our worship and our music, Lord. And, and Lord, as we come to you um, looking at your word, I pray that you would, um, in your gentle and kind way, come and minister to our hearts. I pray that your word will be almost like fresh manna that we're eating this morning, Lord. That it will sustain our hearts and lift our souls and turn our eyes onto you, Lord. I pray that your spirit will guide our thoughts and lead us into all truth, your truth, Lord. And Lord, by the authority of your name, I just speak now a covering and a grace over us as a church. That your perfect will be done in this moment, Lord, and that nothing will come and take away and steal from that what you want to do in people's lives. And Lord, as we humble ourselves this morning onto your word and Trusting your spirit to move in us, Lord. We pray may your perfect will be done, not just for our sake, but so that your kingdom may come in and through our lives. So that your kingdom may be expanded, Lord, and that you may be glorified. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being together. And Lord, in looking to you and looking to your word, we just want to acknowledge again this morning, Lord, it's not about us. It's about your name, your glory, and your honor. We love you, Lord. And all of us say, Amen. Amen. 
as you might know, we are busy with a citywide sermon series uh, that is called Value. And meaning through, throughout our citywide church and our different congregations for the next couple of weeks and the last couple of weeks, we've been preaching on the same series and on the same themes. This morning, Rudo is ministering at our Willows congregation. And it, I'm ministering here. I know Kate's ministering at uh, Ilaris Park or I felt later on. And we're just um, ministering in our different churches to not only demonstrate that we're one church, but to see that God does something similar in all our churches, uniting our hearts, but also reminding us to that what God has called us to. And throughout this series of value, we want to look at what are some of the things that God ascribes value to? And how do we align our lives, not just as a church, but as individuals, to these values? Because value is really important. Jesus regularly taught his disciples on what they should value. Regularly, Jesus taught them what's the value of the kingdom, what he values, and, and different ways how they should value and align their lives to these values. So today we're going to continue to speak on one of the values that we believe God has ascribed value to and how do we live that out in our lives? How do we apply it, not just as a church, but as individuals in our lives? Now, this past week, we celebrated Ascension Day. Um, on Thursday, and it's one of those days that we can become so familiar with, but on Thursday, I was just pondering on this idea how it must have been for the disciples to see, well, there goes Jesus. Can you imagine being one of the 11, being one of those original followers of Jesus? You've given your life to following Jesus. You've given up so much for three years. You followed what you believed was the Messiah. And then Jesus is captured and he dies on the cross. This was completely unexpected. Even though Jesus taught them and warned them that this would happen, it's completely uninspected. And their world is shattered. Three years given for the Messiah, and now he's dying. Remember, the Messiah was going to liberate Israel. He's going to bring a new government. And he's dead. Can you imagine the, the turmoil and doubt that these guys are going through? And then there's news. He's risen. He's risen. And you hear this and you think, no, it cannot be. It cannot be. This is a hoax. They are lying. This is a trap. They want to capture us. They want to kill us. They want to lure us. And then you hear more reports. He's risen. He's risen. And then you see Jesus for yourself. Risen King of Kings. Can you imagine being one of them? Can you imagine? I'm, I'm thinking, going, now, now this is the Messiah. And surely now he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Now we're going to see. All of you that crucified him, this is the moment where you're going to. And then Jesus goes, okay, good news, guys. I'm going again. Cheers. Thinking of those disciples, and there Jesus is ascending to heaven. What is he leaving behind? That's what we're going to speak about today. What has Jesus left behind? Matthew 28, if you have your Bible with you, I'd love you to read with me. I'm going to read from the ESV translation. It's going to be on the screen as well. 
So Matthew 28 verse 16. Now the eleven, this is one of the last occasions before Jesus ascended to heaven. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Sometimes we're so familiar with the scripture, we're so familiar with Matthew 28, the great commission, that we miss the significance of what's happening in this moment. Jesus has called them to the mountain. He's now going to give his last commission, his last words, or his last um, command towards them. And we shouldn't miss what's happening here. Remember, Jesus has just risen fairly recently, proving that he is who he said he is, the Son of God, the King of Kings. That he is God's answer to the broken world. He is the Messiah. He is God's redemption plan in action. And now he's leaving. He's leaving this world. And this is his plan. This is his plan to leave the message of salvation, the answer to the broken world, the whole purpose behind his earthly ministry, why he came to earth and why he died on the cross. This is his plan. He's going to leave it in the hands of of people. Can't help but wonder, wasn't, wasn't there a better strategy? What's more, this group of people isn't exactly perfect. This group of disciples were not the most successful, most influential, most skilled people in their society. It's not as if they're oozing confidence in this moment. In fact, we see some of them doubt it, struggle with this moment. If I were there, I would have gone to Jesus and gone, are you, are you sure? Sure? This is the best, best strategy. I imagine Peter coming to Jesus. Jesus, listen, people, I know people. You know people. Are you sure? Wouldn't it be better to now command the angels to appear to people? Then they will believe. Imagine John and James coming to Jesus and says, Good Jesus, people, listen, this plan's not going to work. People, they're going to run. They're going to disappoint you. Look, they, they crucified you. Isn't now the time that you give us the ability to have fire rain down from heaven? Then people will believe. But really trusting your purpose, why you came to earth, why you died on the cross in the hands of people. What's more, they are doubting. Is this, is this, is this the best way? I look at this and I think Jesus is taking a huge risk. Because I look at my own life. And I think, sure, God. Don't you think God takes risks on us? 
See, the thing is, Jesus wasn't looking for perfection. He wasn't looking at the perfect group of people who had the most faith. He was searching for worshipers. Because when he called them to the mountain, there were some who doubted, but there were some who worshipped him. Jesus is searching for worshipers. And we worship what we value most. So in this moment, Jesus is searching for worshipers, those who will value his will above their own will. Those who will value his name above their own name. Those who will seek his glory above their own glory. Will worship him. To worship meant to bow the knee. Jesus was searching for people that was willing to bow the knee, to take a, a posture of humility. A willingness to say, God, use me. It's not about me. An attitude that he is greater. And he is worthy of all praise. Worshippers. To them, Jesus said the following. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. See, to worship us, Jesus left his redemptive plan with an assurance, a command, and a promise. Were they perfect? No. But Jesus leaves this redemptive plan for the world in the hands of worshipers with an assurance, a command, and a promise. Assurance, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What comes to mind when you think about authority? Often in our nation, when we think about authority, we have a negative connotation towards authority. But what do you think about when you think about authority? See, the word that's used here to describe this authority that Jesus says to them is exousia. And it has two meanings. The power of authority, you have the power of authority, meaning you have the right to exercise power. And it means the power of rule or government, meaning the power of one whose will and commands must be obeyed by others. This is the authority that Jesus says to them. It's been given to me. All authority, all the power of authority, all the right to govern and rule in the universe has been given to me. Think about this. If the highest right and power of authority in the universe comes to you and it says, choose you for my mission how can you say no how do you go no how do you respond see for these disciples even though they were doubting even though they weren't perfect it was an honor to follow and serve the one who had the highest authority in eternity 
facing Jesus, they had to respond. They had to take up this responsibility. There's this famous quote of um, David Livingston, a, a, a missionary to Africa. He said the following, If a commission by an earthly king is considered an hour, honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? David Livingston gave his life to carry the gospel to Africa. If we consider someone in authority asking us and calling us and, and, and recognizing us as an honor, how can we think that when Jesus calls us, that it's a sacrifice? For these disciples, it was an honor. See, discipleship, uh, not only was Jesus commissioning them by his authority, calling them to go, he was also sending them in his authority. Commissioning them and sending them. In assuring him that he has been given the highest authority, he was also ensuring them that he's sending them in this authority to the world. They are carrying the highest authority with them into the world. For a specific purpose. Jesus gave the assurance, but he also gave the command. This is the purpose behind the authority. Not so that you have easy lives, not so that you get whatever you want to, not so that you can put down the, the picture of the double cab against your fridge and that's just going to happen. That's not the authority that Jesus is speaking about here. He gives this authority for a specific command. Go and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. See, discipleship flows out of lordship. Discipleship is a response to what we believe about God. What they believed about Jesus and His authority determined their response to His command. Discipleship is not an optional thing that we do. It's a response to what we believe about God and His authority. And in a sense, being a disciple and making disciples is an act of worship. So often we've made discipleship just this, this tedious thing that we must do, but it, we need to recognize that it was an act of worship. If all authority is given to Him, and this is what He asks of us, this is how we worship Him. Discipleship flows from Lordship. See, it's when we value Jesus' last, last command above our own preferences and comforts. It is to commit to a lifestyle that's about Him, it's for Him, and honors Him. For them, be, fulfilling the command to make disciples meant that they had to obey Him. They had to follow Him. They had to continue to obey Him. It meant that they had to help others surrender their life to Him. Because baptism was a public declaration of a surrendered life to Jesus. So they had to obey Him. They had to help others surrender their life to Him. And then they had to help them to mature into the men and women that God has called them, meaning to walk in obedience to Jesus. And all of this happened in the context of other disciples, in the context of the community. This is what it meant to worship God through discipleship. To walk in obedience, to help others surrender their life, to help them walk in obedience in the context 
of community. This was Jesus' strategy. His commission to them. Make disciples. This is going to be the answer for the world. Not angels from heaven, not fire coming down. You, in your imperfect state, trusting my authority and teaching others to obey. And in commissioning them, God gave them a purpose. He made them part of His mission and His purpose. But then God goes on. Jesus says, and as you do this, there's a promise. I will be with you. I will not leave you alone. I'm not asking you to do something from your own strength. I'm not asking you to do something from your own skills and your own abilities. I will be with you. I just need you to worship me. I just need you to be willing to trust me, to walk in obedience. And I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will guide you. I will protect you. I will provide for you. I will strengthen you. I will empower you. I will give you the right words. I will be there with you. I will not leave you alone. We experience more of Jesus in our lives when we align our lives with this mission. If you want to experience more of God, if you want to see God doing more in your life, align your life with His mission. Walk in obedience. Jesus says, I will not leave you. See, being a disciple is not easy. I don't know about you. I don't find it easy. There's great moments, but it's not easy. Sometimes God asks me to do things in my life that I find extremely difficult. I don't know about you, but making disciples is not easy for me. It's even more difficult. I feel like Peter, really God, people. In discipleship, being a disciple, making disciples, it will require sacrifice. I love that Etienne introduced the uh, men's event. Yes, there's things that you will have to say no to. But it's worth it. Making disciples, yes, there's things where you have to say no to. Being a disciple, yes, there's things that you will have to say no to. It will require sacrifice. You will face challenges. And you will face disappointments. But Jesus promised, I will be with you. Always. And then Jesus ends with these six powerful words. To the end of the age. Meaning this assurance of his authority and his command and his promise is not just true for these disciples. It is true to the end of age. Jesus gave this command 
this assurance and this promise of his presence. And he never revoked it again to the end of age. Meaning this is still true for each one of us sitting here today. Even today, Jesus is still searching, not for perfect people who's got it all figured out, not for the men of faith and women of faith that has no challenge and no fear in their heart. Jesus is searching for worshipers, people that's willing to align their lives with His authority, align their lives with His command to make disciples, and people who's willing to hold on to His promise that He is with them. See, 2,000 years ago, it goes. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, there was a group of imperfect people that was willing to worship God. A group of people, in spite of their doubts and their fears, was willing to respond to his authority. Was willing to step into a very unknown world with his authority. A group of people that was willing to say, God, I'll make disciples. I'll be a disciple. A group that experienced his promise of his presence. And we might look at that and go, God, surely is this the best strategy? 2,000 years later, we're sitting here today because there was a group that trusted God. History has proven that even though God uses imperfect people, He has a perfect strategy because He isn't the strategy. It's His authority. It's His mission. And it's His presence. He's looking for those of us who will respond in worship their discipleship was an outflow of their worship and it changed the world. How would your life change? How would your life change if you lived in response, in response to God's authority? Okay, for a moment, just stand still and think, what more can change in your life in view of God's authority? I'm not saying we're not following Jesus, but all of us get to places where there's areas of our lives that's not yet submitted to His authority. God is constantly moving, constantly working, constantly searching for those who are willing. Are we seeking Him daily? God, how do you want to use me? Are we approaching life with His authority? How would your life change in response to His authority? How would a community change if there was a group of people that worshipped God through discipleship? How would this community change if there was a group of people that in a fresh and a new way embraced the worship through discipleship. What could change?
I will be with you till the end of age. God is commissioning us with His authority, His purpose, and His presence. How will we respond? Will you respond as a worshiper? Will you embrace the lifestyle of discipleship out of response to His Lordship? Or will we respond as doubters? Doubting God's authority. Doubting whether He would use you for His purpose. Doubting whether His promise of His presence is true for you. Will we respond to His commission of His authority, purpose, and presence as worshipers or doubters? I want to conclude this morning. When Jesus ascended to heaven, what did He leave behind? He left behind imperfect people with a perfect strategy. He left His redemptive plan for the world in the hands of worshipers with an assurance of His authority, a command to make disciples, and a promise of His presence. And this is still true till today. Therefore, we value discipleship. Therefore, we value discipleship because we worship Him as Lord. We value discipleship because we believe it's the right strategy. It's the perfect strategy that God gave us. And we're willing to trust and obey His command to make disciples. And we value discipleship because we believe in His promise. That as we do this, we will experience His provision, His protection, His guidance, and His presence. May we be a people that worship God through discipleship. Let's pray. And before I conclude for us with prayer, would you take a moment, just briefly consider This assurance of His authority, command to make disciples, and a promise of His presence. Would you ask God in your own words, God, in what of these three areas am I not worshipping You? Am I doubting You? Would you allow God just to speak to your heart now? Lord Jesus, this morning our prayers may you not leave us behind. May you not overlook us in this mission, this assurance, and this command, Lord, this promise of your presence. Lord, we want to respond to you because you are worthy to receive all our honor and our praise, Lord. 
we will respond to you as our Lord of Lords, as our King of Kings. We will respond to you out of an act of worship, Lord. And therefore, Lord, I pray that this morning that you would come and speak to each one of us, Lord. I want to pray for people that specifically needing to hear the assurance of your authority. Lord, may it be that you move our hearts this morning to respond to who you are. Lord, may you stir in us a faith and a confidence knowing that you've sent us out with your authority, Lord. Lord, I pray for people that's, that's sitting here and, and questioning whether you'll be able to use them, whether they have what they need to make disciples, Lord. You come and strengthen them. Would you come and stir confidence in their hearts for who you are and what you've called them to. Lord, may you open our eyes to see the people that you've called us to. May you help us in making disciples, Lord. May you help us in obeying you in such a way that we move beyond our own comforts and own preferences and that our lives will become an act of worship. And Lord, as we do this, may we experience more of you. May you pour out your spirit more on us, Lord. May you release your gifts more on us, Lord. May we experience you in our devotion, Lord. May you give us direction and insight, truth and wisdom and understanding, Lord. May you come and lead us and guide us, Lord. May you come and provide into our needs so that we'll be able to fulfill the call that you've placed on our lives, Lord. May you come and bless us so that we'll be a blessing unto this world for your name's sake. Lord, as we do this, may we see how you change our lives, change other people's lives, how you change communities, Lord, the same way that you're changing the world. Lord, as you used the first disciples, may you continue to use us. We pray this and ask this because of you and for you. May you be glorified through our lives because you are worthy, Lord. And we say, Amen. So as I conclude this morning, I want to ask you, and we'll not just pass by these words, but they will put them into practice. And can you commit this week to having a conversation with anyone else just about your understanding of how discipleship is worship unto God? can be your wife or your husband, anyone, maybe your connect group leader, your LG leader, but would you speak on how discipleship is an act of worship?